I don't know about you, I could listen to that uh, worship team all day long, man, do what they do. Thank you guys so much for blessing us in that way. Worship has this unique way of speaking to your heart, right, and, and for your heart to speak when you don't know what words to use, so that's, that's kind of why we enter into that every single week. Again, grateful that you're here if it's your first time especially. Uh, I'm Thomas, if I forgot to introduce myself before, uh, lead pastor here. Uh, so honored by your presence today. Uh, we hope that you're going to be encouraged, really strengthened by your time with us. Uh, we are kind of at the tail end, two more weeks left of a six-week series entitled Simply Seven, uh, Everything You Need to Know in Seven Words. Let me kind of quickly describe the heart and the hope behind the series so we're all on the same page as we move forward. Uh, the idea here is that a lot of things in life, most things in life, in fact, tend to get overly complicated, don't they? They turn out to be rather confusing. Uh, convoluted, if you will. A lot of good words out there to describe that. It can be toothpaste options. It can be investment opportunities, health care plans. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I feel like things are going way over my head and it's just too complicated. I just don't understand what anybody's talking about. And so our hope is that uh, that doesn't happen to Christianity because it can happen to Christianity. Believe it or not, the message of Christ, this beautiful, simple message that's intended to draw people closer to God, that message can actually drive people away from God. It can become really, really complicated. And you throw in some evolution stuff and some end time stuff, some Holy Spirit stuff, some, some science stuff, young earth, old earth, uh, speaking in tongues, spiritual gifts, and all of a sudden, this simple message is anything but. And so we're trying to keep it simple, stupid, as the acronym says. We're trying to keep the message as simple as we can, simply seven, seven words that say it all. And really, I'm hoping these seven words, you'll really see this next week, they say it all not only about the biblical narrative, uh, this particular story, but they say everything there is to know about your story as well, and the story of your neighbor and your coworker and your friend, your non-believing boss, whatever it might be. So I'm hoping these seven words are really uh, connecting with you. They all build on one another, and so if you've missed any of them, go back online, check out the podcast. We'd love for you to be on the same page with us as we move forward. Uh, but, but again, hopefully you're being strengthened through uh, our study. Uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into our sixth word of the series. God, would you speak to us now? Um, each of us comes, Lord, and I'm sure, uh, spiritually speaking, a little malnourished. Maybe, Lord, right now, d deep in our souls, uh, we're a little famished and a little, um, a little dry. And so would you breathe into us? Would you speak into us, God? Would you pour out this living water that you promise uh, would you fill us up today, God, through your word? Make it so. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me set it up here before I introduce my friend to all of you. Uh, I want to set up the, the message with a story in Mark 10. We don't have time to go into all the details, and we're not going to dive very deep into the story itself, but let me share with you the story in Mark 10. It says this, They, being the disciples and Jesus, came to a city called Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving the city, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth walking past, he began to shout and say, Jesus, Jesus, over here, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet. But he just cried out even, even more loudly, Son of David, Son of David, here, here, please, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and he said, Call that man over here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. So he threw off his cloak and he sprang up and he came to Jesus. I love that story for so many reasons, but I really love what the disciples said to him. That second to last line there, 
Take courage, be bold, be courageous right now is what what they're saying. Why? Uh, Stand up. Why? Because the master is calling you. Jesus is calling you. Guys, imagine what that must have felt like. Imagine what that must have sounded like. You were being called by God, by name. Thomas, Jesus is calling you. Melissa, Becca, Adam, Peter, whoever it might be, the master is calling you. Take courage. Stand up. He's calling you. And see, I don't think that that is a one-time story talking about one guy at one particular moment in history. I think, I think that line is true for all of us. Take courage. Stand up. He's calling you. See, isn't that what Ephesians 4.1 says? Therefore I, Paul says, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you, lead a life worthy of what? Your calling for you have been called by God Paul says and Paul here one of the great apostles right ministered to a lot of people in that Mediterranean region he wasn't just speaking in this moment to the group of Christians at Ephesus in this particular city he was speaking to Christians all over the earth you've been called you've been called by God like the disciples said to blind Bartimaeus take heart man get up he's calling you he's calling you now that word is our sixth word in the series, calling. Here's where we've been so far, right? It all started with creator, how he designs this beautiful canvas, this, this thing called the earth and the world and everything in it. From there it is contaminated by this curse, our second word. That curse is so troubling because we're held captive to it, our third word in the series. But in the middle of our captivity, this curse, there is this covenant, this promise made by God that he's going to make it right, that he's going to fix it and redeem it. And Christ comes in and shows us how he's going to do that. But then that's typically where we kind of stop in the story, isn't it? It's like Christ and then heaven. But, but now what? What about us? What, what do we do in this story? What's our role to play? Where do we go after this moment of salvation? We're like, yes, I believe in Jesus. And here's the thing, church. I don't have the canvases up here this morning. Uh, John was mad at me yesterday or, or, or this week because I made such a mess last week. But the only thing I was thinking with these canvases that I could do is like pyrotechnics, right? Now I just like put them on fire or something. Anyway, I thought that was really funny driving over here this morning. Obviously, you did not. But we had these canvases, right, where, where one canvas was beautiful and one was contaminated. And last week we cleansed another one of the canvases to show you what Jesus does and all that. Here's the thing, church. Your canvas, your life is cleansed by Jesus so that you can be catapulted into a completely different way of being. He doesn't just clean your canvas so you can kind of sit there and look like a pretty little picture. He cleanses your heart, cleans you and makes you the way you were originally intended to be so you can be catapulted into a great calling. And that's what we're going to talk about today. This word calling, though, it's quite a buzzword. It's a really confusing word. But especially I did college ministry for years. And that was just like this huge word. What's my calling? What's my calling? There's so many examples of biblical calling. I mean, I mean Peter is called, and, and Jeremiah is called, and, and Jonah's called, even though he didn't want to answer the call. But I mean, all these different people are called. And so our God is a calling type of God who calls his people from, from one place and one position into a very different one. Here's the definition we're going to be uh, utilizing and using today. The biblical definition of calling, stepping into that which God has invited you into. Say that aloud with me. Stepping into that which God has invited you into. All right, one more time. Stepping into that which God has invited you 
into. So are we talking about a vocational call? Like what I'm, what I'm designed to do for work? Are you talking about like a spiritual giftings calling? Are you talking about like an audible calling? Like Thomas, go down to Wendy's today and buy a number two. Right? Like, what are you calling me to do? Well, yes, I'm talking about all of that. I'm talking about stepping into anything and everything the Lord is inviting you into. Let me quickly set it up real fast this way, though. There's a progression of calling, and here's maybe where we go wrong with it. In, in the Bible, when you hear calling, he, he moves us from one place to another. Here's typically the progression that he takes, okay? The first thing that we're called to, we're called to salvation. We're called to believe in Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2.4, he called you to salvation when we told you the good news so that now you can share in the glory of the Lord. This idea of becoming a Christian, the Bible uses the phrase, when you were called. We think of uh, coming to know the Lord as something that we did, like, like I, I, I initiated this or I responded or whatever it is. No, no, you're just stepping into something the Lord called you into, which was a saving relationship with him. So first you're called to salvation. The second calling is a call to sonship. It's called to abide with Christ, to have fellowship with Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful. He has called you into fellowship with his son. And that's where we go awry. It's like, okay, I'm saved. Now what I need to do? No, no, no. Now what you need to do is spend time with Jesus. You need to develop this personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. You're called to sonship. And then the third calling, and the one that we typically define calling as, is this, this, this role that I play in the story. A calling to act out my faith, to minister on behalf of Jesus, right? This call to do something for the Lord. But this is the progression. And whether we realize it or not, this, this confuses a lot of us. And we're not, a lot of us are not 100% um, excited about these or, or 100% on board with these things. Like the message of Christianity as a whole, calling confuses us. I mean, the students at Pepperdine were just flabbergasted by this idea of calling. It was almost crippling. They didn't want to step into calling. They kind of took a step back from calling because they didn't want to mess it up. They weren't sure if they were hearing it right, and they weren't sure exactly what it meant. Maybe you can relate, maybe you can't. But what is my calling? What is God calling you to? Other words could be purpose, right? Could be this task, these good works that Ephesians 2 talks about that God created you to do. What is he calling you into? So I've invited a great friend up with me uh, this morning, Eric. He's had to look at my backside now for several minutes. I apologize for that. Um, but Eric's been a, a friend of West Bowles for many years. He's been up here teaching on different occasions, but this really is something he's, he's passionate about. Calling is something he's thought about a lot over the course of his life, and even in his profession, his vocation, he feels called to help lead other people through their calling. And so when this word was one of our seven, I thought Eric's got to come share some thoughts with us. Because like Bartimaeus, I want all of us to be like, he's calling me. I got to go. He's calling me. But all of us are going to like, eh, eh. Like, like, check our, our cell phone, right? Eh, I think he's calling me. Eh, great. I want it to be like, but get up. Take courage. He's calling you. So Eric, tell us, what, what does this mean to you, man? And why do, we, why, why do we get so confused by it? Why do we think that, that calling is like a job that I've, I do, but nothing more than that. So just walk me through. Here's a softball pitch. Take it, do with it what you want. Knock it out the park. Tell us about your understanding of calling and, and where we should go with that. What, what you want to tell this group about that? Well, I'm grateful to be here, and I'm grateful to talk about something that God has put on my heart that I'm super passionate about. And I, I believe today's the day uh, that God is going to stir hearts in this room and uh, have people answer that invitation. Uh, because there is an invitation and there is a response required uh, in all three of those progressions. 
And so what I want you to know is that you are called. There's nobody in this room that isn't called. You have an enemy against that calling. Because what would happen if everybody rose up to that calling? The enemy is not concerned with you attending church. He's concerned with you being the church. (laughs) Coming together and playing your unique role. Uh, I like the progression that you used. I, I think Jesus is the door. As we receive salvation, we step in the door. And that's where everything changes. That's where our calling can be realized because we take on a new identity. We're called by a new name. We put on a holy robe. We have this new identity as a son of the king of the universe, the creator of the universe, the one who hung the stars in the sky. Right? I think about David saying, when I consider the heavens, who is man that you are mindful of him? Well, here we are, post-Jesus and Holy Spirit. Who is man? That not only you're mindful of him in, in relative to the universe, but that you would come and make your home in him and, you, and allow him to make his home in you. What an incredible gift that is, which says that you are going to be equipped for whatever he calls you into. Uh, so there are lies that come against and none greater uh, than, than the idea that we're not called, mm. um, that there's anybody in this room not called. But it takes one thing. It takes one thing. It's a relationship with the caller. If I don't know the caller, how can I respond to the call? How can I be sure that's not uh, a different voice? Mm -hmm. (laughs) How can I not be sure that's his voice? And so really understanding the nature of who my father is, that he's that good and perfect father. Regardless of the fathers that we've had, good, bad, in between, he is infinitely better. And he, before time, thought of you. You're his workmanship, prepared before time, and he's carved a way for you, uh, for what he has prepared for you. And so the key, the key in calling, if we start anywhere else, we'll get it wrong, and man, are we prone to doing. Uh, But as we step into that door and put on this room, take on this new identity, we get to know our good and perfect father, and we let him tell us who we are now. Yeah, what's interesting, church, is I don't know if you really grasp the whole of that because it took me a while. We've talked all week long and we probably could talk for multiple hours up here. So uh, we hope that something we say will, will be of benefit to you. But, uh, you know, most college campuses or, or most uh, people you would talk to, like a, like a career center, right, on Christian campuses, it's called like a calling center, if you would. They'd have you take some personality tests. They'd have you fill out some forms like what you like to do. But they really narrowed this idea of calling down to a vocation. It's a job. Like how you're going to spend your 40 hours a week making a living. That's your calling. Anybody else going to understand calling to mean that? It's this very limited definition of calling. But if we're trying to show you, calling is so much bigger than that. It means so much more than that. But it also could be something so much smaller than that too. And, and what we tend to do though is like move from I'm called to believe in Jesus to now I'm called to like do things for Jesus. And I, and I forget and I'm guilty as, as anybody else, I'm just, I forget to, to become like Jesus. I forget that it's about spending time with Jesus. I don't, I, honestly, church, I don't know the voice of the caller as well as I should. And so then when I'm in that third place for the calling, I, I start to question those third callings. I start to question what he might be asking me to do. But it's because I just don't know him that well. If I knew him better and really believed his voice and his heart and his spirit, then I'd feel, feel fully confident in those other callings. So we can't skip over the idea of, of getting to know the caller. But doesn't it feel like a waste of time? I mean, you want me to just pray all day long? It doesn't seem like a great calling. You know, just spend time with Jesus after the day like that. I feel like it was a wasted day or whatever. 
Our society is one where it's like, get moving. Right. Has that been your experience and other people that you talk to? And is it hard to define yourself as like a child of God and that's good enough yeah. versus someone who's really successful and achieving a lot of things? And yeah. what do you think to that? I think we have these limiting beliefs that's so less than what God has for us. If we really got our head around and entered into that intimate relationship that the God of the universe desires with us, so much that Jesus would invite us to call him daddy. It's that kind of intimacy. You know, we, we've been in each other's offices this past week, and we both have artwork mm. hung on our walls. Uh, it's not the doing. It's not the doing. It's not the... I mean, your mm. kids are very talented in mine, aren't you? <laughs> but, uh, but they're not going to be at, you know, downtown mm. right now. But how much does God appreciate that? It's the smallest glimpse we get when we receive that as dads. It's that intimate relationship that says, I love you, Dad. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. And, and so that's what tends to be missing. It's, mm-hmm. it's the idea that stepping into this is far beyond what we even know to even ask for. It's beyond uh, what we know about the desires of our hearts because he made us. I love that verse that talks about him doing exceedingly, abundantly more than we could even ask or think. Mm-hmm. That's the God that we have. And so if, when we can get on board with, there is fire, there is uh, joy, there is intimacy beyond what we know will even fulfill us. What we've had fulfill us in the past is empty compared to what this would offer. Calling becomes a really exciting thing. Mm-hmm. I love that idea of the father idea. Right? In, in ancient Hebrew culture, they wouldn't even usher the name of God out of this deep like respect, but it, but it created this separation there. Whereas Jesus says, no, I want the connection to be like this. Yeah. And then when, then when you hear the father inviting you into things, so tell me about this list you have in your hand. We talked about this in first service. I mean, I love this. This isn't how I would define my calling, right. but this is what the Bible calls me to. Exactly. Yeah, this is the context of calling, right? Asking who is God, And who does he say I am? Uh, Because that's what we're told as we step through this door of salvation. And he puts this royal robe on us, invites us into his family to be a co-heir with Christ, adopted and chosen. And he starts to say things like, Eric, you're beyond condemnation. You're delivered from the law. You are near God. Uh, You're delivered from the power of evil. You're a member of his kingdom. You're justified. You're perfect. You've been adopted. You'll never be abandoned. You're a member of his body. You're a branch in the vine. You're a stone in the building. You're salt of the earth. You're God's child. You're a new creation. You're Jesus' friend. You've been justified. You are a child of God. And, uh, and so I have this, and, and I'll, I'll hand this out. We made copies, and, and you guys can grab it. But the point of this is we spend a lot of times in the I am's that are quite a bit different than this. Uh, and those things tend to limit us from the fullness that God has for us. Church, if we lived into these things, if we believed and we received and we lived into these things, we would be a drastically different people, a drastically different people. But we have an enemy that wants to hold us down, says that I'm not good enough, says that, uh, is that really true? Well, if you don't feel it, can it really be true? Um, And God invites us into into believing, receiving, and living into these truths. Mm. When I first saw that sheet that Eric is passing out, it's a list, and you, you can literally go through it and kind of check, check mark it, like, yes, I believe I am this person. Yes, it's not as easy as you think because of all the doubts and all the fears, and I just want to get, get, get going on my calling. But the Lord is saying, like, this, you have to, you have to bask and, and bathe in these identities and these callings, and then suddenly all these other callings will make a lot more sense. And we talk about this third calling, right, like this 
propelling us into mission. Uh, he's, he's given us different gifts and talents. And I think the Lord does call some of us into certain jobs at certain times. How do you help people navigate those waters? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want us to move past that too fast because that's what I do. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah, I'm a son of God. Okay, now what, is, <laughs> what I got to do? Um, but how do you help somebody kind of navigate the waters of, of a calling in their life? Jobs, talents, how to spend their time. Is God calling them into something there? Yeah. If so, how do you know? Yeah. Well, again, you make a good point. It's, it can only be realized in the context of relationship. That's the way God's created it. And so without that relationship with the caller, going here is pointless. You'll end up doing, you'll end up tired. Uh, but there are some neat ways that we can engage the caller on it if, it's, if we're kind of new to this. Uh, engage him on what your unique story is. What has he brought you through? What have, what have you overcome? What are your unique experiences? Because he wants to use those things to help you bless others in those. What are your talents? What are the things that you're uniquely good at? Uh, that heart, what particular people are you, are you drawn to? Uh, your values. You know, what, what's stirring in your heart uh, that maybe you don't listen to, maybe you kind of quiet, you're like, oh, that seems unrealistic. <laughs> That's a good clue. That's a good clue that he's calling. <laughs> because he wants to do something far beyond my capacity, far beyond my capacity, so that he can say, or so that people look at that and say, wow, what a God Eric must serve. Mm. What is that all about? And it all points to Jesus, as opposed to me doing the very best I can on my own, independently from the caller, and then it's how great Eric is. Mm. But it's so much less. But what is that thing that God's stirring in you? Maybe he stirred it in your childhood and it's been dead for a while. Maybe he's stirring it today for the first time. Mm. And just to be kind and curious in that, uh, to kind of ask God, what is this all about? Um, to pursue this with him. Maybe it's taking small steps in the direction of what that calling might be. Mm -hmm. uh, taking a class, talking to somebody who does that type of thing. Um, just being kind and curious as you explore it. Yeah. By a show of hands, real fast, how many of you honestly have ever felt like the Lord called you to do something or called you into something? By a show of hands, how many of you can believe, look back on your life like, that was the Lord calling me, mm. right? I mean, maybe it was this sense in your spirit that you couldn't, you couldn't go to sleep at night because you kept thinking about this one thing. I remember the first time I saw a preacher preach, and, and I just sat there like, I feel like I've been made to do that, mm. In that moment, I felt like this calling on my life. And church, what I want you to hear this morning is there's more of that for all of us. In all three of those pathways or progressions, there's more to our salvation that, that we should understand and celebrate. What does the psalmist say? Return unto me the joy of my salvation. Don't forget the first calling you received because that will catapult you into this second calling of I'm a son of the king. Right? I'm going to co-heir with Christ. I'm an ambassador to the Lord. I mean, that, that's my second calling. There's more to that for many of us. That's where I've been all week long is just trying to live in more of that sonship. And then guess what? There's more of the specific callings. Everything from, hey, I want you to go meet your single the single mom across the street, I want you to get to know her. That, that could be a calling. I want you to change careers. Go back to school. That could be a calling. I want you to go into full-time ministry. I want you to, I want you to buy the, the screen for the church. <laughs> He's calling you, church. But you see, I mean, it could be any number of things, but we limit it. And, and I think the limitation is what I've experienced. People are paralyzed by the idea of calling as opposed to catapulted into this amazing mission. Um, at Pepperdine, we talked about calling for a lot of people. It's like a tightrope. And you feel like you're either on God's tightrope or, or you're off of it. You're going to miss the calling. Mm 
or you made a mess of the calling, and so now you got to live this second-rate life. Versus it being like a trampoline, like a lot of freedom and a lot of room. And can you still fall off and get hurt? Yeah, but it's not a tightrope. Again, that's not the nature of our God. It's not the, it's not the way to have any healthy relationship, mm-hmm. is where there's one particular way. There's freedom in relationship. And figure it out or else. Yeah, right. And so there's, there's this kindness in it. And so many of us want to hold on to what we're not, uh, to kind of almost reject this call that I'm, I'm not good enough. But we look at, at the uh, characters of the Bible, and that would contradict that, right? Abraham was old. Sarah was impatient. Noah got drunk. Miriam was a gossiper. Jacob was a cheater. Jonah ran away. David had uh, an affair. Elijah was moody. One minute bold and courageous and, and next fearful and on the run. Peter had a temper. Paul was a persecutor. Martha was a warrior. Thomas doubted. Zacchaeus was short. And Lazarus was dead. <laughs> and so I think that eliminates most of our excuses. <laughs> that he, could, he couldn't possibly be calling me. Right. You were talking this week. And this idea of some of the older folks in our church are going to think, well, I'm too old to, to receive this new calling. Some of the younger people are going to think, well, I'm too young to receive this calling. Some of the new Christians are going to think, well, I'm not seasoned enough in the faith to receive a calling. The older people, there's always these excuses as to why they're calling. But the Bible shows us everybody's called. And I want, I want all of us to live in and live out that calling. This amazing experience where you feel like you hear the voice of your father. It's an affirming voice. And it's a really exciting voice who's sending you out into something, something small, something big. Louis Giglio and others uh, that I love to follow and read about, these great preachers, these great evangelists that are out there, you have these huge ministries. They all say, like, stop worrying about, about what's way down the road. Just worry about right now, today. Are you in tune with God? Do you love the Lord? Do you know who you are in Christ? And then just be faithful to today and let today turn into tomorrow. And then all of a sudden tomorrow turns into what in the world did the Lord just do? And from there on, it's good. We have so much more to talk about, church. We're thinking about doing a series at some point on, on calling because there's also the idea of you're called as, as a Christian to be an active member of this body. Like what would West Bowls look like if each of us were living out our callings with our spiritual gifts here at the church? I mean, I think we do you guys so wrong when we do so much stuff for you on the front end and there's, so much, there's not much asked of you on the tail end. The church is, is best when everybody is pulling their weight and doing what they're exactly called to do in the church. How little thing would be so different if everybody here was responding to that call, and we could, we can. So there's a lot more. There's a lot more to it. But final thoughts, parting, parting thoughts on the idea of calling. Well, I would add on to that. Um, I think it's important to be somebody in the body just to say, it is a recipe for burnout if Thomas and the paid staff are the called ones at this church. It's not what the Bible says. We're called to be living stones, right? Unique as stones are. And so we're not called to be living bricks. That's good news. There's freedom, right? (laughs) There's freedom in that. So I don't have to look. I don't have to fit a particular mold. And in fact, God made me a particular way because there's a special place on that wall that he's building that's built just for me, that's built just for you, that's built just for each one of you. And so we're called to be the church because you, we are a holy nation. We are a royal priesthood. And so it is our job to be the church. If Thomas and Nathan and Ryan and, and the gang are the church, it's a recipe for burnout. Um, but like Thomas said, if we come together, engage the caller, whether it means he's calling you into a particular conversation right after church today um, or whether it's a, a, a bigger move in your life, if we would do that, then we become the church. We become this body that people will be drawn to because we are so alive. Mm. This is what it brings to. Calling brings life. 
And so for those of us that don't feel the full and abundant life that Jesus promised, it's time to step in more into calling, more to being led by the Spirit, to hearing, hearing his voice, trusting, and obeying his voice. Mm, good word. I love how you talked about the body parts real fast, right? Everything in us, our nose, our eyes, our feet, everything is pointing forward. Mm. There's nothing about us that is backward, mm. right? That's looking backwards or thinking about, oh, back there. Step into a new calling today. Yeah. I love that. Kim, I'm going to invite you back up real fast. Kim, I'm going to close this out with one final worship song. But I just want to end with the words that the disciples shared with Bartimaeus that day. Take courage. Stand up. He's calling you. And our prayer all week long has been that maybe for the first time ever in your life, or maybe again and afresh and anew, you would hear, the Lord is calling you. I don't know to what. I'm not the caller. He's calling you. Engage him. Spend some time with him. See what he's calling you into. And then, and then step out. Bartimaeus, okay, fine. He takes off his cloak. He takes off everything that's holding him back. He just runs. He's a blind man. How does the blind man run to Jesus? He does somehow. He just he finds his way to Jesus. I love that. So we're going to end with this. I'm going to ask a couple different questions in terms of the progression of calling because I imagine that all of us are at one of those three stages. If, you, if you're at that first stage where you've never received the, the call to salvation like honestly you come with your spouse or, or, or you just come because that's what you did when you grew up or you come because it, there's nice people here or whatever but you've never really truly said in your heart like Jesus I love you and I believe in you and I want to be with you forever if you've never said that I'd love for you to right now do what Bartimaeus did would you take courage would you literally stand up and would you hear him calling you today if it describes you, where you were a point of decision for salvation, would you stand? For others of us, we've responded to that call. We, we know that call, but maybe we've missed out a little bit on that second call. Maybe, maybe we've, we've moved so forward past the first one or beyond it or something, and we forgot about the idea of sonship, that I'm meant to be in beautiful harmony and intimate fellowship with Jesus. If you just want more of Jesus, if you want to hear his voice more clearly, if you want to know who you are in him, more deeply, if you need more of that intimacy, more, more connection, would you do it, Bartimaeus did? Would you, in this moment, take courage? Would you literally stand up? And would you hear him calling you? Jesus, I just, I just want you. I just want, I want more of you. I don't want to do more for you. I don't want to like keep running crazy trying to figure out what you're calling me into. I just, I just want to be closer to you. And in that third calling, Maybe you're in a position where, where you're engaging the caller, you know who you are in Christ, and you like want to know, Lord, what, what do you have me to do? Like, what's the great work you created for me on this earth? What is it, Lord? Is it a job? Is, is it moving cities? Is it starting something up? Is it, is it evangelizing to my coworker? What is it? What are you calling me into, Lord? If that's where you are right now, where you're not sure what your calling is, but you want it, you want to hear it, and you're, you're, you're ready to respond to it. Would you do what Bartimaeus did? Would you, would you take courage? Would you literally in this moment stand up? And would you say, Jesus, speak to me. Call me into something. I'm listening. I'm listening. I love that. Let me pray over us. We'll call it a day. God, you are a God who calls. What an amazing truth and, and reality that is that you call each and every one of us like you did to, to Bartimaeus in that story, God. 
Many of us are sitting on the side of the road. We're just kind of beat up. We're bloodied and we're tired, Lord. We're weary. We don't even have the strength of us to cry out to you like Bartimaeus did. And yet, Lord, here we are. And we want to hear you say, come to me. We want to hear your voice. Call us by name. Call us, God. Call us unto you. Call us closer. Send us out on your behalf. Give us specific instructions and marching orders, God. Draw us deeper into relationship with you. Call us into a saving faith, God. Call us. As Eric said, there's so much life in calling. If we were to do a show of hands right now, Lord, and ask many people in this room, how many of you are really rested right now? How many of you are fully alive right now? How many of you love what you're going to do tomorrow morning at 8 a.m.? Just love it. Lord, not many of us would raise our hands, maybe half a hand or maybe no hand at all. That's not the life you created for us, God. You, you call us into a life that we're so excited about it. We're kind of overwhelmed by it, but in a good way, Lord. We're passionate about what we're doing. We feel that you are behind it and that you are in it. And so call us, Lord. Call this church. Call her. Call her to you. And then call her out. Call her into this community. Call us to do amazing things in your name. Call us to be so obedient and so in tune with your spirit that we're just, we're just living out this calling in really unique ways. And when we come together on a Sunday, we're like, you got to hear about the calling that I received this week. It was so crazy. I don't even know what the Lord was doing in this. Lord, call us. Call us. Be faithful to who you are and call us as a church. Please make it so now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.